morning and welcome to our service of worship here at First Church uh, this morning. I want to welcome any visitors we have with us today as well as any those who are listening on the radio. Uh, good morning. Uh, thank you, Dylan. Uh, Dylan is our guest musician. He's been with us several times before. Um, it's just a joy to have him here and, and worshiping with him alongside him this morning. There's several announcements I want to highlight for you today. Uh, as you can see, our blue jug is back up here on the steps. Um, that's here to support the victims of the flooding in Texas. Donations will assist the Salvation Army who's already on the ground providing immediate aid to uh, those who've been affected. As you know, we've recently uh, began online giving. Uh, and so in addition to being able to drop cash or checks or whatever into the blue jug, um, we are also able to text give. Many of you may be familiar with that. And so in your bulletin in the announcement sections, there's some instructions. If you'd like to give to this cause and don't have any pocket change on you today, um, but you have a smartphone or, or, or even just a regular phone, you can use that to text to give. Um, um, you can text. There's the, the number and everything is in the bulletin, and it will give you instructions on how to give from there, very similar to the online giving we have set up already. Um, if you have any questions about how that works, you can talk with me or with Connie. Uh, the white rose on the altar today is in honor of Miss Genevieve Pax, who will be baptized. Next Sunday is our fall kickoff party. There will be a big celebration to kick off the start of the new Sunday school year. It begins immediately following the service. There will be pony rides, a bounce house, face painting, cookies, and coffee. The consistory has called for a congregational meeting on Sunday, September 24, immediately following the morning service for the purpose of approving the repair and sealing of the east wall of the church and discussing and the discussion of upcoming large building projects. If you're able and a member of the church, we encourage you to stay after worship that day to be a part of that meeting. A couple other uh, things that aren't listed in your bulletin. Uh, one correction to make, uh, the Gospel Project Adult Sunday School class will begin on September 17th, uh, just like the other Sunday School classes. That's the class that I lead over in the Ministry Center. Um, I will be on my way home from Germany that day, and so um, Adam Rohrbaugh is going to be filling in and starting the class off on time. That way, the, the schedule can remain the same as the students as well. Also, uh, Doris Dillon passed away on Thursday, August 31st. Um, she is the, the mother of Jess Dillon, the mother-in-law of Michelle. Uh, visiting hours will be Wednesday from 4 to 7 p.m., and the funeral will be Thursday, 10 a.m., um, both of those being held at Manual UCC in Kettlersville. Uh, our condolences go to, go to Jess and Michelle and their family. This time we have one more announcement. I'd like to invite Susie Reinecke forward. I see a look of surprise and shock and disgust maybe even on her face right now. As she's coming forward, uh, the reason why we're bringing her up here is this past week, Susie celebrated her 10-year anniversary of work here at the church. <laughs> she said, oh, that's okay, if you didn't see that. And so we just want to acknowledge and thank her for all of her service and work here at the church over this past 10 years. Let's thank her together. She wanted to blame Stan for that. Thank you, Susie. <laughs> Thank you, Susie, for all that you've done over these past 10 years and all you've contributed to this church. Uh, with that being said, I encourage you to check out the other announcements that are in your bulletin. There's plenty going on, and, and I encourage you to, to check those out and mark your calendars appropriately. At this time, I invite you to stand for our call to worship. It comes from Psalm 66, verses 16 through 20. Come and hear all you who fear God. 
Let me tell you what he has done for me. I cried out to him. His praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. Praise be to God, who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. I invite you to remain standing and sing number 428, I need thee every hour. Invite forward Adelia May Pax, excuse me, Genevieve Adelia May Pax, as well as she is the daughter of Sarah Pax, the granddaughter of Roger Pax, and the granddaughter or goddaughter of Thomas Pax. I invite you to come on forward. We'll be offering the sacrament of baptism today. You can come on over here on this side. You guys can come on over here too. It's an exciting time of year, as I mentioned last week. Uh, we have 
lots of this happening, which is just exciting to me. It's exciting to see families coming together and, uh, and, and committing to raise their children in the Lord. And, and this is another example of that. As I shared last week, uh, one of the, the, the reason we do this, the commitment that's being made is, is not um, for Genevieve. Obviously, she is too young or un, and is unable to make that commitment herself. But it's, it's a commitment Sarah and her family are making to come alongside her, to raise her in the Lord, and to, and to teach her to know Jesus, which is a, a wonderful thing. And so we encourage you to hear these words. Uh, first from Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, a promise that Jesus and an invitation that Jesus makes to each one of us. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so in obedience to this command that the church baptizes believers and their children. On the day of Pentecost and during Peter's first sermon, he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. A great reminder of the meaning and purpose of baptism is to remind us of the the death and resurrection of Christ and the forgiveness that He offers to each one of us that's made possible through Him. And so Sarah, having heard God's gracious promises to us in Christ, do you desire that Genevieve be baptized? Amen. Wonderful. As I mentioned, Genevieve is unable to make that commitment of faith herself at this point. And so as her, as her mother, we, we uh, are here to witness your faith and, and the testimony that you have and the commitment that you're about to make. And so with that in mind, I ask you the following questions. Do you truly and earnestly repent of your sins and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Do you believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, and the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life? Amen. Do you in- intend to be Christ's faithful disciple, trusting his promises, obeying his word, honoring his church, and showing his love as long as you live? Amen. And will you devote yourself to the church's teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers? Wonderful. Now let's as a congregation, as a body of believers, recite the Apostles' Creed, a great reminder and a statement of the faith that we share together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day He rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray together. We thank you, O God, for the gift of life. We thank you for this family and for this child being dedicated today. You, Lord, are the author of life and the giver of every good and perfect gift through the death and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ. You have made it possible for us to be accepted into your family. I pray that you would bless and sustain this child. Draw her to yourself, just as Jesus welcomed the children during his ministry. May she grow to love you with all of her heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we also pray for her mother today, that you would equip her to fulfill the promises she makes 
Bless and sustain her as she teaches her children to know and love you. All this we pray in the name of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So Sarah, I ask you this. Since you've presented Genevieve for baptism, we ask you the following questions before God and his people. Do you promise to instruct Genevieve by word and example with the help of God, help of the Christian community? I forgot to do that last week, too. (laughs) I'll, I'll start again. Do you promise to instruct Genevieve by word and example with the help of the Christian community in the truth of God's word and the way of salvation through Jesus Christ? Do you promise to pray for her and teach her to pray? And do you promise to nurture her within the body of believers as citizens of Christ's kingdom? Amen. And as a, as a body of believers, we are coming alongside Sarah and her family and, and helping them to instruct Genevieve and, and raise her in the faith as well. And so, brothers and sisters, as we receive Genevieve into Christ's church, I charge you to nurture and love her and to assist her to be Christ's faithful disciples. With joy and thanksgiving, we now welcome you to Christ's church. We are all one in Christ. We promise to love, encourage, and support you to help you. Know and follow Christ. Amen. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Genevieve, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May He look, turn His face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank You for the gift of Your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank You for the free gift of salvation that is made available through His death and resurrection. Thank You for the symbol of baptism, which reminds us that You wash away our sins and give us new life as we put our trust in You. We pray for Genevieve. Bless and strengthen her daily with the gift of Your Holy Spirit. Unfold to her the riches of Your love. Deepen her faith. Keep her from the power of evil and enable her to live a holy and blameless life until your kingdom comes. May she grow to know, love, and serve you with all of her heart, mind, soul, and strength. We also ask that you look for kindness on Sarah. Let her always rejoice in the gift you've given her. Grant her the presence of your Holy Spirit that she may bring up Genevieve to know you, love you, and serve you and her neighbor through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. As a gift, we also have a Bible here and, uh, and the certificate of baptism. Uh, thank you for being here, and let's welcome, welcome Genevieve into Christ Church today. As they find their seat, I encourage you to stand and, and greet your neighbor, and the children come up for children's chat. I'll hand this off to you guys. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thanks for being here. Good morning. First of all, someone up here has a birthday today, don't they? Who has a birthday today? Reagan does, yes. And how old are you today, Reagan? Four, and you're older than your brother. That is so awesome. That is so awesome. All right. So, I gave each one of you something today. What did I give you? A penny. A penny. All right. Now. What do we do with a penny? Put it in our piggy bank. Excellent. Put it in our piggy bank. That's right. Okay. So, let's take a look at this penny. We're going to call this a prayer penny. 
Okay, because Pastor Joel's sermon today is going to be on prayer. And Carolyn took my five finger prayer last week. So we had to come up with a new prayer thing for this week. So I want you to look at the front of your at the front. Okay, or the head side of your penny. Does anybody know who is that guy? Abe. It's Abraham Lincoln. Yes. Okay. So when we think about this being a prayer penny, we think about on the head side or the face of Abraham Lincoln, we think of people, people that we should pray for. What kind of people might you want to pray for? Who? Yeah. Who else do we want to pray for? People whose houses are getting flooded. Very good. The people down south. And our parents. We should pray for mom and dad. Yeah. Anybody else you can think of that could use some prayers? Grandmas and grandpas. Yep. Who else? Our dog. Well, that's not really a person. But pets are important too. Yes, Evan. Cousins. Aunts and uncles. I know. She's she's at Grandma and Grandpa's, isn't she? Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay, so the head's side of our penny reminds us that we should pray for people. Okay? Now, what's on the other side of our penny? Well, there is. On the newer pennies, they put a shield on, and I ran out of pennies that did not have the shield on. So that really does not fit my program very well, but... On the old pennies, they have a building on it, right? The Lincoln Memorial. And that building helps us to remember to pray for different places. Okay? So where are some places that we could pray for? Where are some places? What about, what about school? Should we pray for school? For, for our teachers at school and for that we have a good school year. Okay? No. We need to pray for our church. We can pray for uh, people whose houses are flooded. Those are buildings, right? We can pray for uh, the fire department, the police department, all those kind of places. Hospitals, people who are in hospitals. So the next time you have a penny, I want you to think about it as a prayer penny and take a second and pray for somebody or some place. Okay? So our penny today, and you get to keep it, is a prayer penny. Okay? So I want you to think of a penny as a prayer penny. Okay? So let's bow our heads and we're going to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for these children and how much knowledge they have and how eager they are to learn. Lord, we want to teach them how to pray and be with them this week as we enjoy the long holiday weekend and be with us as we start another week of school. Keep them safe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Last week, off the coast of Yemen, in a Black Hawk helicopter crash, 
We lost Staff Sergeant Emil Rivera Lopez, 31, from San Juan, Puerto Rico. Thank you, Jay. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you are God and that you are here with us this morning, that as we gather as your body to worship you this morning, that you are, your, your spirit is here. As your word says, we're, as two or three are gathered in your name, you'll be with us. And so we are grateful for that promise, grateful that, that you are here and, and we have this opportunity to not only worship you in song and, and through your word, but, but worship you through prayer and come to you, Lord. Um, and give you all of the praise and the honor and glory you deserve. Thank you, Lord, for the many ways that you've blessed us, um, Lord, and the ways that we often don't even think about or realize. Uh, but, Lord, we are blessed and we are so grateful for all that you've done for us in the past, all that you've provided for us, and all that you'll continue to do for us in the future. Lord, you are a good God who cares deeply for his children and for his people. And so thank you for that, and thank you that we can trust in that promise and that hope. Lord, with that in mind and, and with the knowing that you are a compassionate and gracious God, we come to you in prayer and, and ask for your provision, Lord, um, especially as we think about the this terrible storm and the hurricane that, that came through Texas and, and, and the flooding that resulted from that storm, Lord, and all of the, the loss of life, the loss of property, um, Lord, the loss of hope in many cases. I pray that you would um, bring exactly what is needed there. I pray for safety for people and, and that are, are trying to get back to their homes. I pray for safety for the first responders and the many, many volunteers that are there. And Lord, I pray as they try to put their lives back together that you would provide for them, Lord, through, through not only our, our, our small blue jug offering, but the many others, Lord, who are rallying around uh, this country to offer their, their support. I pray that you'd use those offerings, use those gifts, to ma- and magnify them, Lord, um, to provide the help that's needed. Lord, we, we also are very aware of the concerns that are, are happening here in our own community, in our own church. We pray that you would bless those uh, situations as well. Um, Lord, be with those who need healing. Be with those who need restoration. Uh, be with those who are in financial difficulty, Lord. And I pray in all of those things that your will would be done and that you would be glorified. Um, Lord, that's not always an easy thing to pray. But, but help us, Lord, to pray that and to, to really, really trust that your will is what's best for us. We pray this all in the name of Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I invite those who are helping with the offering to come forward at this time. And Brittany Wirwell is blessing us with some, with some special music.
Continue standing and hear the scripture for today, which comes from the book of James, chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call to the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wonder from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. You may be seated. Thank you, Adam. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you this morning. And I pray as we turn to your word now that you would open up our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us this morning. In Christ we pray. Amen. This message this morning uh, wraps up our study of the book of James that we've been uh, traveling through together this summer. Uh, one of the main themes of the book of James that I hope you have seen throughout this, this summer and throughout our messages and our discussions together was that James is very concerned and very passionate about us living out our faith in real and practical ways. Right? Over and over again, James talks about doing things that, that actually demonstrate and live out our faith instead of just saying things and not following through. Right? So he talked a lot about having an active living faith versus a dead faith. And I think he wraps up this discussion uh, that, with that same theme in mind, talking about prayer. And prayer is a, prayer just is a way to demonstrate, in a sense, prayer does a lot of things, but one of the things that prayer does is demonstrates our trust in the Lord. It demonstrates that, that we believe what 
the Bible says. It says that we believe that God is a good and compassionate and gracious God and that we can bring our troubles to Him. We can bring our issues to Him. We can bring our praise to Him, right? And, and that He will hear us and respond. Uh, I was at the, in my Four Seas conference this summer uh, in Pittsburgh. I got to go and spend a few days there. And, and the theme of the conference was prayer. And one of the speakers said that, that prayer um, demonstrates our dependence on the Lord. And think about the converse of that. that he, he, he said that a prayerless church or even a prayerless person, if we want to make it more of an individual statement, uh, is, a, is a church or is a person that does not believe they need the Lord. Someone who doesn't pray, some, a church who doesn't pray, is in essence saying, I don't really need you, God. And that's a pretty strong statement. And it kind of hit me hard because I know at times in my life, I have not had the kind of prayer life I feel like I should have. And, I, and I, I say that because I have a feeling that there's probably several of you out there that would agree with me on that, would, would feel the same way. Uh, I know that I, I, it's something that I want to develop in my own life. And so, so James here wraps up his letter, bringing, kind of wrapping up all of these discussions, all this talk about having an active living faith and living it out under the heading of prayer. It says that if any of you are in trouble, it actually, that word trouble actually reminds us of how James opened his letter in chapter 1, verse 2. He said, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Remember how absurd that sounded when we started preaching through James? And he talked about how, how through our trials and through our tribulations, it helps us to, to rely on the Lord. Hardship, and particularly our response to it, has been a major theme of James' letter. And so how do we respond to hardship? How should we respond to hardship? How should we respond to joy in our life? It's with prayer. That's what James is getting at here. But unfortunately, prayer is not always a priority for, for us, is it? And again, I, I'm right there in the same boat, and I've been through those moments in my life, which is why I think this, this message is so important for us today, and it's important for me too. Study, uh, a recent study showed that, that 55% of Americans say that they pray every day. And if you look at that on the surface, that sounds like a good number, right? 23% say they seldom or never pray. And adults over 65 are far more likely to pray daily than those under 30. So there's a, there's a generation gap there. Older Christians tend to devote more time to prayer or, or, or believe that prayer is a more important aspect of their spiritual life than, than the younger generations. And so you look at those numbers and you think, okay, that kind of makes sense and it doesn't seem too alarming. But then, but then this next one is where it really, uh, really caught me and I think it, it speaks volumes to, to the state of our, our prayer life in general. It says the average daily time spent on all religious activities and not just prayer, so Bible reading, you know, serving, all that sort of stuff. The, the average amount of time that an individual spends on all religious activities in a given day is 17 minutes or less. Think about that. Think how much time we spend on Facebook. Think how much time we spend uh, doing things that don't really matter in the long run, and you add up all those minutes, and it's usually a lot more than 17, right? But yet that's the on average... Most Americans spend 17 minutes a day or less. <laughs> the scary thing is they had a map and they had it kind of broken down by state. And there were some states where the average amount of time was two minutes or less. And so the state of, of, of prayer and, and things like that, is, is, it's something that we need to, to work on. It's something that we need to allow God to work on in and through us. And it's not just 
you know, it's something that pastors struggle with as well. In that same study, it said that only 16% of pastors felt very satisfied with their prayer life. And up to 37% were dissatisfied or very dissatisfied. See, pastors aren't immune to this, to an anemic prayer life either. It's something that we struggle with too. And so as we, as we hit some of the highlights of this passage and talk about prayer today, know that I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you, if that makes sense. I'm preaching to myself too. And, and I hope that there's something here that, that you can all pick up on as well. Pick up on the importance of prayer and why James, I believe, ends his letter with this is because it is an important thing. And so as a pastor, I feel like I, I need to lead by example. I need to, to set the tone for you guys. And that begins with admitting that there's work to do. And I think we all can, I, I, I can imagine we can all agree to that. And so the, let's look at James' call to prayer here. It's actually kind of unique among other New Testament examples in, in that it's, it's a lot longer and a lot more detailed than, than many of the other passages. Think of Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Um, not very detailed. You know, it's a, it's a call to prayer, but he doesn't give a whole lot of instruction there. And then Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 simply just says, pray continuously. Right? Just keep praying. That's all. And so this passage in James is a lot more detailed in that sense. And so... Um, what I would like to do for you today is just highlight a few of those differences, a few of those specific points that James makes and why um, I think they're, why, why James mentions them and, think, and, and they're, why I think they're important for us to highlight today. First of all, is in this call to prayer, James says that, uh, that if there's anyone who is sick, let us call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Question is why the elders, right? A lot of times the the New Testament or the, calls us to pray individually, right? It says you pray about the situation, but in this case he's saying call the elders of the church together and let them pray for the situation. The elders, uh, from a New Testament perspective, elders were simply spiritually mature people who guided the spiritual development of local congregations. You, descript, you see descriptions of what elders were all about in, in books like First and Second Timothy and Titus. And in our modern context, you know, as a pastor, I, I work with the elders and work alongside them in order to, to guide and to lead the church. You know, I, I like to think that the elders tend to, to um, focus on the spiritual development, spiritual leadership of the church as a whole. And so it's something that we work on together and we strive to help the church become more spiritually mature. And so if you think about it, if someone is facing a health crisis, if someone is really in need, it makes sense to call those who are spiritually mature to come alongside them and to pray for them, right? Not that they have a better connection to God, not that they are somehow better Christians than the rest of us. It's just that they, they have spiritual maturity, and so it's good to come alongside those who are spiritually mature and ask them to pray for us. But again, then again, they shouldn't be the only ones to pray. And just a few verses later in verse 16, he says to pray for each other. Right? So this isn't a call for, for only a specific group of people to do all the praying and everybody else can kind of just slack off. It's, we all are called to pray, but in certain instances, it's good to, to surround yourself with spiritually mature people to pray for you. Prayer especially for needs within the church body is not just for a group of super Christians. It's something we're all called to do. And, and James gives the example of Elijah. 
Right? We often think of Elijah as this great prophet, this great person of prayer. But James points out he was just an ordinary person like the rest of us. He just had that, he just made that commitment and, and, and focused his attention and gave his time to prayer and great things came out of it. And so James encourages us to, to look at times to others who are more spiritually mature to, to surround us and, and to pray for us. But he also mentions a few physical elements to here too. He says the elders should pray over. And the image of that is, is a sick person who's lying down in bed and a group of people, the elders, kind of surrounding them and praying for them. And, and if you can picture that in your mind, you know, they're kind of standing over them and praying over them. And then James even says that the Lord will raise them up, raise them up and, and that, and that image, right, the, the person who is sick is lying in bed and once they're healed, they're able to, to get up out of bed, physically raise up out of bed. And so as we, as, as we pray for certain needs, it's, it's good to, there, there's a physical element to it as well at times. And, and that may seem strange. You know, prayer is a spiritual thing, right? You say your words, but, but there can be a physical element too. And I think praying over, um, we often think of that as laying on of hands now. And that may be something that's very uncomfortable for some people or something that's not a part of your normal tradition, but it's something that we see an example of here in, in the Bible of, of laying on of hands. And, and I don't think there's anything special or significant about it besides the fact that it can bring comfort and encouragement to the person. You know, I think of the times I've visited people in nursing homes or in hospitals, and simply just holding their hand can just bring them a sense of comfort and peace that, that words can't always bring. And so I think as, as James here is talking about prayer and talking about possibly laying hands on people, I think that physical touch is, is that sort of encouragement. It doesn't make the prayer better, right? It doesn't make the prayer more special or more powerful. It just is a source of encouragement and strength to that person. There's many examples Excuse me. There's many examples in the New Testament of Jesus laying on hands, of laying hands on people he prayed for. Think of Matthew 19, verse 13. He gathers the children around and, and he says that he lays hands on them and prays for them. And over and over again, as Jesus healed the sick, he would lay hands on them as he prayed for them. So this isn't something that James is just making up. It's, it's an example of Jesus himself that he gave to us. Physical touch can be an encouragement to people. And so as we pray for them, it's not a bad idea to lay a hand on them and pray for them, to let them know that we're there and we're standing beside them. He also says to anoint them with oil. Um, again, something that we may not be normal, you know, used to doing or accustomed to. Uh, but again, uh, physical oil, anointing with oil uh, had a symbolic meaning in, in much of the, the Bible. You see a lot in the Old Testament, priests and kings, as they began their service, would be anointed with oil as a symbol of God's presence with them. Objects in the temple or the tabernacle were often anointed with oil as they, as they were put into use in order to kind of symbolize the fact that they were set apart for a special purpose. And so to anoint someone with oil as we pray for them is simply a way to just set the, to, to signify that God's presence is there and as, as, as we pray for them, God's special attention is being given to them through prayer. Again, just like with the physical touch, the, the oil, there's nothing special about the oil. You know, regular old olive oil out of your cupboard would do. The point is not the oil. The point is the, what it symbolizes, and that's God's presence there with that person as they face their hardship. And so there's those physical elements, but it's also a prayer that should be offered in faith. 
And I think this is the thing that is most important for us to focus on today. And that, that as we talk about a prayer offered in faith, and God will answer that prayer, a lot of times we pray for things, and we, and we earnestly pray, and we want God to answer them, and then He doesn't answer them the way we expect Him to. We pray for someone who is sick, and they don't get better. We pray for someone who, who is looking at possibly the end of their life, and, and instead of bringing them home, we have to make funeral arrangements instead. We've all been there. We've all prayed those kinds of prayers. And, and we look at a passage like this and think, man, if I just had more faith, God would have answered that prayer. Or maybe someone has told us that, man, if you just had a little bit more faith, God would have answered that prayer for you. That is one of the most devastating and destructive things that you could say to someone. Because I don't think the purpose of this passage, what James is saying, is not if you had more faith, or if your faith was stronger, God would have heard you. I don't think James, the, the, the point of a prayer of faith is not the quality or the quantity of our faith. But the, the, the point is the object of our faith. And that's Jesus Christ. You know, it's not about the faith that I have, but it's, the, it's who I have faith in. Does that make sense? And we know that Jesus is, is, is able to answer prayers. We hear passages like John 14, verses 13 and 14. Jesus says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me anything in my name, and I'll do it. And we hear something like that, and, and hear the, James talking about a prayer offered in faith. The Lord will hear and answer it. And we think, well... What's wrong with that if God doesn't answer the way I want to? The way that I prayed. You see, what they're talking about here, praying in Jesus' name and praying in faith in Him, is not praying for what I want and expecting Him to answer it. It's praying for what is in line with His will and His character and His goodness. Does that make sense? And so as we pray in His name, as we pray with our faith in Him, it's not seeking our own end. Right? It's not seeking what we want. It's putting our prayer request, it's putting our situation in God's hand and saying, not my will, but yours be done. That's what it means to pray in faith. That's what it means to pray in Jesus' name. It's about praying and asking His will to be done in our situation. And once again, we have an example of Jesus Himself um, in the garden as He was about to be arrested and beaten and crucified. He says, Father, if you're willing to take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus himself set the example for us. That's what it means to have a prayer of faith. That's what it means to pray in Jesus' name. Not my will, but yours be done. As we think about prayer, we need to remember as we're praying for things, we're praying especially for other people, it should be passionate and consistent prayer on behalf of others for the will of God to come to fruition in their lives. It's not praying for what I want. It's not praying for what I think is best. It's, it's giving God the opportunity to work and to move. Say, God, I want what you want. And hopefully, maybe that is that person is healed. Praise God if that's the case. But we all know examples where God doesn't answer the prayer the way we want it to. And we need to trust that God knows what's best. We need to trust that His will is what's best for us. And that as we go to Him in that kind of faithful prayer, as we pray things in His name, He will answer them according to His will. And we need to be okay with that. I think that's one of the hardest things about prayer is, is coming to the realization it's not about me, but it's about seeking answers. It's not about seeking answers that we want. It's about seeking His will out. 
And so there's, there's a few different kinds of prayer represented here, and I want to quickly cover these as we, as we wrap up. Uh, many of, I use the analogy of, of an ACTS prayer a lot when I was a youth pastor, and the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S, A and T for adoration and thanksgiving, which are, are kind of two sides of the same coin. Adoration is, is praising God simply for who he is, his character, his goodness, his love, his mercy. And thanksgiving is giving him praise for what he has done. So really it's two sides of the same coin. Prayer for who he is and prayer for what he's done. And we see that. He says here, if any of you is happy, sing songs of praise. Have you ever thought about that? Singing songs together is a form of prayer. It's giving praise back to God and thanking him for who he is and for what he's done. James here also talks about confession, which would be the C in the Acts prayer. Confession is admitting our sins before God and each other when appropriate and asking for forgiveness. We always need to keep in mind that we are sinners in need of a Savior, every one of us, including myself. And we need to be willing to admit those the ways that we fall short. And finally, the S in, in, in the Acts prayer is the supplication, making petitions and requests always with God's will in mind. James says, if any of you are in trouble, pray. If any of you are sick, call the elders together and pray. We have needs. We have things in our life that are not going the way we expect them to go or want them to go. And so, so it is okay to come to God in prayer and ask for Him to work in those situations, but we always need to keep His will in mind. Times of trouble and specifically physical illness often drive us to our knees in prayer. And so don't be afraid to pray. Don't be afraid to ask others to pray for you, as James instructs here. And be persistent like the widow and the unjust judge the parable that Jesus told, she had her request granted not out of the goodness of the judge's heart, but because of her persistence. How much more will God, who loves and cares for us, answer prayers according to His will? And pray like Jesus. Don't forget, not my will, but yours be done. And so as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper this morning, I want to encourage us, I want us to take just a few, uh, just a moment and go to the Lord in prayer together. If you have family, friends that you're around that you would be comfortable praying with, I encourage you to do that together. If you are more comfortable just praying in the silence of your heart, I encourage you to do that as well. But let's take a moment as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper to come to the Lord in prayer. James wraps up his his letter here by these couple verses talking about how if if, if a brother or sister wanders from the truth and someone should bring that person back, Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. James isn't concerned just that we put this into practice, but that we encourage and help others to do it as well. So that's what we'll do here for just a moment as we prepare for the Lord's Supper, to, to, to focus in and to put into practice what James has been talking about through his letter, and to take a moment and to pray. So I encourage you to take a moment and run through that Acts prayer. Give, give God adoration and thanksgiving. How has He been working and active in your life? Or simply praise for what He's done or who He is. Come to the Lord in confession and admit the ways we've fallen short. It's a great thing to do as we prepare hearts for the Lord's Supper. A reminder of the sacrifice that Jesus made for our sin. And if you have something on your heart, don't be afraid to request that before God. Ask Him to move and to work in your lives. But, but always in His will and in His timing. So Dylan's going to play just a little bit of music here. And as we, as we do this, as we prepare for the Lord's Supper, I encourage you to take a few moments and pray.
Father, thank You that You are a God who calls us into prayer. And that as we pray to You, as we lift up our concerns to You, we ask, Lord, that Your will will be done in all things. In Christ we pray. Amen. Let's stand and, and let's sing number 433, Sweet Hour of Prayer. For I see from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and having given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. Whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So all you have received Jesus as your Lord and Messiah, we invite you to take this sacrament to your comfort.
the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is broken for you and for all. Feed on them in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving.
in the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you and for all. A new covenant in our blood so that our sins could be forgiven. Take and drink, knowing that He died for you. Let's pray. Father, thank You that You have sent Your Son, Jesus Christ, to this world to die for us, but to be raised again so that our sins could be forgiven and we have the hope of eternal life in You. I pray that as we go from this place, Lord, You'd encourage us, strengthen us in our prayer life, and help us, Lord, to live an active and a living faith for You. It's in Christ we pray. Amen. Go in peace. Thank you.